Welcome to Your Best You Today, the online radio show that uncovers the hidden truths and dispels the myths about food, nutrition, and exercise for anyone of any age. Every day you make dozens of decisions that will either have a positive or negative impact on your health. Join naturopathic doctor Kevin Jackson along with Rob Heppel to learn how you can start making your best you today. Welcome to the Your Best You Today show. I'm your host, Rob Heppel, and joined with health expert, Dr. Kevin Jackson. Dr. Kevin is a naturopathic doctor who has been helping people find natural solutions to health issues for over 25 years. With the Your Best You Today online radio show, we're going to dive into common health issues and explore natural solutions to them. Welcome back to the show, Dr. Kevin. Hey, Rob. Hey, so what are we going to be talking about today? Well, I wanted to talk about a disease that most North Americans don't know that they have. And in fact, I would have to say, based on what I've seen in my practice, that it's the most underdiagnosed disease in North America. This disease um, is the potential cause of many other problems, namely, you know, cancer, heart disease, stroke, diabetes, kidney stones, gout, obesity, depression, anxiety, sugar and carb cravings, high blood pressure, dyslipidemia, hypoglycemia, inflammation, insomnia, and PCOS, which is polycystic ovary syndrome, just to name a few. And based on studies in the United States in 2012, more than 50% of U.S. adults aged 20 years or older have this disease. This condition occurs in more than 50% of obese children, according to a 2006 study published in the Journal of Diabetes Care. And current studies suggest that 50 to 70% of women with PCOS, polycystic ovary syndrome, have this disease. Anecdotally, as far as patients that I have seen over the last 20 years, I believe these percentages are low. And the vast majority of North Americans who have this disease have never heard of it. So what, what, what is this disease? It's called insulin resistance or hyperinsulinemia. So this means that people uh, become resistant to insulin? How? Well, you know, Rob, to better understand insulin resistance, let's just kind of look at some basic biochemistry. Insulin is a hormone, and we've all heard of insulin. You know, people with type 1 diabetes need it to inject it into themselves to save their lives, basically. Uh, this hormone is normally produced by the islet cells of the pancreas. And when blood sugars rise after food is eaten, the pancreas pumps out insulin, whose job is to shuttle glucose into the cells where glucose is used for energy or stored as glycogen. And to do its job, insulin must fit like a key into receptors lining the outside of each cell. And every cell contains about 20,000 or more of these insulin receptors. And once inserted into the cell's receptors, insulin activates an enzyme in the receptors called tyrosine kinase. And this truck triggers a series of events that allow glucose to enter the cell. So in other words, sugar gets into our cells. Um, and once that happens, um, you know, the, the, the cell can use sugar as an energy source uh, to run properly. With insulin resistance, the cells resist this process, and so instead of entering the cell, glucose builds up in the blood, and the pancreas has to respond by pumping out even higher than normal levels of insulin 
to, to basically bring the blood sugar back to its normal range. So then how does one get this disease? Well, you know, we hear so much about genetics these days, Rob, uh, but it only really plays a very small role in this particular specific disease. If you have, uh, you know, some uh, relatives, uh, first, second generation relatives that have the disease, uh, that have diabetes, well, there's, there is a greater chance that you're going to get this. But, you know, if you eat right, there's almost no chance you're going to get it, even if you're susceptible. Um, the most common cause by far is lifestyle factors. Uh, poor diet being the most important. Also, lack of exercise and smoking are players in this as well. But really, for the most part, it comes down to sugar, carbs, soda, juice, processed foods. That's really the main cause of this disease process. Now, and we've talked, to, we've talked about insulin before on our uh, episodes about sugar. So remind the folks again why elevated levels of insulin are, are so harmful to our health. Well, you know, insulin in its appropriate levels in the human body does really good things. It really helps us maintain an even blood sugar level um, and, and keeps our cells uh, filled with the appropriate amounts <clears throat> of the, the fuel that they need to run. But when insulin gets elevated, it starts to cause problems. And the more you're exposed to prolonged levels of insulin, that's when you typically start seeing some of these problems. So, you know, when you see, I see people in their 20s with insulin resistance, their symptoms are usually minimal. I see people in their 50s and 60s with insulin resistance, they often have quite severe symptoms. And one of the most important symptoms uh, involving elevated insulin is that increased insulin is linked to inflammation, chronic inflammation. And you know, we've talked about this, I think, in some other episodes. Uh, you know, the way of measuring that is C-reactive protein, but it's just one measurement of inflammation. Inflammation can manifest itself in many different ways in the body, above and beyond even an elevated C-reactive protein. So there's something called osteoarthritis that many people have. And osteoarthritis is a chronic disease of the joints that involves inflammation. And from a conventional perspective, it's looked at as being a disease of wear and tear as we age. And that's just generally not true. It's due to chronic inflammation. And one of the most common causes of chronic inflammation is elevated insulin. And I've seen so many cases of osteoarthritis go away when we get the insulin level straightened out. So that's just one piece of the puzzle. Inflammation is a big part of elevated insulin, especially chronically elevated insulin levels. And, you know, if you have a lot of inflammation, it can promote damaged blood vessels. And when you damage blood vessels, that can cause plaque or arterial sclerosis. Um, it can cause um, an increase in blood pressure. Too much insulin causes sodium retention, um, which causes your blood pressure to go up. And it can cause fluid retention, which can actually cause your weight to go up and make you feel puffy and unwell. A really interesting point about elevated insulin levels, especially chronically elevated insulin levels, is that high insulin 
suppresses serotonin levels. And serotonin is a neurotransmitter in our brain, Rob, that, you know, all of us um, look to try to keep that, those levels high because when you have high or normal levels of serotonin, you feel happy, you generally feel good. When your serotonin levels are suppressed, and again, elevated insulin can suppress serotonin, it can cause a host of symptoms. Some of those are anxiety and depression, uh, insomnia or sleep disturbances, uh, obsessive and compulsive thoughts and behaviors, negative thinking, repetitive thoughts, addictive type behavior, low energy, irritability, craving carbohydrates, and increased appetite. So the scary thing about this serotonin suppression is that we can feel anxious and depressed because of elevated insulin and we can also because of suppressed serotonin feel a craving for more carbohydrates so you crave these foods you eat them your blood sugar goes up which causes your insulin to stay up which suppresses your serotonin which makes you feel more depressed and anxious and you crave the foods even more and your appetite goes up. So this thing just keeps going around and around in a circle. And it, unfortunately, it keeps people locked into this problem where they're feeling low, potentially anxious, and they just keep eating and they can't stop because the cravings are there chronically. Also, when your insulin levels are high, it can cause hypoglycemia. You know, you've probably seen this in people or heard of people who have a situation where they don't eat for a while and they can feel shaky, nauseated, maybe headache, their energy dips. They can feel an inability to concentrate or focus. These are all signs that your blood sugar levels are falling and your brain is deprived of glucose. And so, you know, it's, it's an important set of symptoms to watch for. Because when you see something like that, you know something is amiss with your blood sugar and or insulin. Also, high levels of insulin are linked to cancers. And insulin also can promote the increased growth of malignant cells. Insulin also is linked to increases in triglycerides and bad cholesterol, the LDL cholesterol, and portions of that bad cholesterol, um, which can cause some serious problems in the human body. Also, insulin is, is linked to premature aging. And so, so some good indicators of someone who's had chronically elevated insulin levels, look for liver spots and skin tags. These are two indicators that a person very well may have hyperinsulinemia or insulin resistance. And high insulin is also linked to an inability of the kidneys to clear uric acid effectively from the body. And uric acid is linked to kidney stones and gout. So then is there a way that we can find out if we have insulin resistance? Well, Rob, you know, there's a, there is a test out there and it's called the glucose insulin tolerance test. Uh, and it's virtually never given. Uh, some people are given a glucose tolerance test to see if they're uh, hypoglycemic, but almost nobody gets an insulin tolerance test. Now, this is not to be concerned, can, confused with, uh, in some places in the United States, they call an insulin tolerance test where they inject you with insulin. 
This particular test, what they do is you have to go in having fasted for 12 hours. So you usually go in first thing in the morning to the lab. Uh, so I usually people have people go in at 8 o'clock in the morning having not eaten anything from 8 o'clock the night before. And then there's a blood draw. And then the patient is given a drink containing 75 grams of glucose. They drink that. And then their blood is drawn one hour and two hours after the drink of that uh, glucose drink. And then we look at the numbers and it'll tell us what's happening with your insulin. And this is such an important test. And in fact, I would have to say it's the most common test that I give in my practice. And virtually every time I've given this test, it's come back indicating that the person is insulin resistant. And, you know, symptoms usually tell me that the person's insulin resistant. But for a lot of people, they want to see it in black and white. And when they see it on the page that, yes, in fact, every other test that they've ever had has come back normal and they can't figure out why they've got all these symptoms and their insulin comes in. And, you know, I recently had somebody whose insulin was up around 30 times above what it was supposed to be. Um, and it answered all the questions for this person. So it's a great test because I find uh, a lot of my patients are really compliant after they see in black and white, you know, some actual test results that prove that there is some sort of an anomaly in their body. No, for this test, though, if you take this test with the 75 grams of glucose, is that going to just throw the, they're not going to have a good day, are they? Well, that's true. <laughs> that's a good point, you know, because I have to warn a lot of people because uh, I already know when they're going in that they're insulin resistant. This is probably not going to be good for them. Uh, and 75 grams of glu glu glucose is a lot of sugar. Uh, you know, this is... You know, it's about 19 teaspoons of sugar, basically. So, um, yeah, it's a lot of sugar, and you're right. They're not going to feel good, and often people, uh, I tell them to bring a book. Uh, sometimes they have to lie down after they've uh, ingested this drink, um, and they just have to stay in the lab for two hours uh, and get this test done. So you're right. You know, it's, 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 not, it's not a great uh, day sometimes for these people, but... When we get the results back and they and they see that yes, in fact, they do have this insulin resistance, it helps them understand what they have to do to get well again. <clears throat> now, what if um, you know what if someone listening doesn't have access to this test? Are there other signs or symptoms that uh, you know they could be looking out for? Yeah, you know, I, you know, I touched on some of the general things like you know inflammation and uh, fluid retention and you know maybe high uric acid levels, but. You know, abdominal weight gain is, is probably one of the most common symptoms. Difficulty losing weight despite regular exercise. Or, you know, somebody comes into me and says, you know what, I used to lose weight, no problem, all the time. And now, you know, despite the fact, uh, you know, I had a patient last week, she came in and, and she was saying, you know, I work out five days a week and I cannot lose weight. Uh, and in fact, I'm gaining weight most of the time. And she tried every diet. And if you don't recognize, and it was, you know, it was so evident that she was insulin resistant, um, that, you know, and, and, and so she's going to do very well with this, I think. Other symptoms, energy dip in the afternoon, feeling tired after eating, craving sweets or carbohydrates, feeling hungry or having the desire to eat despite having just eaten. And by that, I, I mean, not even the desire or the, or the need to eat. It's just that for some reason, people will find that they've just eaten, they feel full, but they're looking through the cupboards for something to eat or they're looking through the fridge. They don't know why, they're just doing it. 
This can be a sign of insulin resistance. Feeling hungry throughout the day. I mentioned about liver spots and skin tags. High blood pressure that can be transient. It bounces all over the place. Nobody can figure out why your blood pressure is 150 over 90. And then, you know, a couple hours later, it's down to, you know, 115 over 70. And then it's bouncing back up to 160 over 100. This can often be related. There's many things that can cause that, but certainly this is one of the big ones. Cold hands, feet, buttocks, and or nose. Uh, This is because uh, in insulin resistance, insulin causes blood vessels to constrict and it reduces the flow of blood through the body. So typically, uh, those areas are going to be cold because of reduced blood flow. Uh, Low serotonin symptoms I touched on already. Uh, PCOS. Uh, polycystic ovary syndrome. It's the most common cause of infertility in women. Um, and it, you know, the symptoms associated with PCOS are acne, hirsutism, which is like excess of hair growth or sometimes hair growth where there shouldn't be hair growth, uh, increased androgen levels. So that's, uh, you know, high levels of testosterone and or DHEA, uh, pelvic pain, anxiety and depression. Uh, and, um, and this, this disease, PCOS, this is a very curable disease. And most of the time, if I can, if I can convince the, the woman involved that they are, in fact, insulin resistant, because most of them are, and convince them to make the necessary changes, their PCOS, PCOS goes away and their infertility goes away. I have scores of female patients who are infertile, changed their diet, got their insulin resistance out of the way, and they were able to give birth. And endometriosis is another uh, common symptom that I see associated with insulin resistance. Wow, well, that's crazy, especially the you know in, infertility. Like you know, that ruins people's lives. They get so you know they're spending thousands of dollars on things, and here it's just their di- like their diet. So true, Rob. I mean, there's millions and well, probably billions and billions of dollars spent in fertility clinics for uh you know for for couples who can't get pregnant and diet plays a major role in this and i've seen this for years now you know also with um insulin resistance doesn't it uh, also increase your chances of getting type 2 diabetes absolutely in fact you know insulin resistance is really just kind of the precursor to type 2 diabetes it means you're you means you're walking down the path towards type 2 diabetes And the current stats show that 11% of North American adults currently have type 2 diabetes. And and actually, a lot of them don't know that they have because they haven't been tested for it. Uh, And 35% have prediabetes. In both diseases, insulin resistance is present. So, you know, in the extreme worst case scenario with insulin resistance is type 2 diabetes. But insulin resistance starts the whole process often 30, 40 years before the person ever ends up with type 2 diabetes. So yes, having insulin resistance dramatically increases one's chance of of coming down with or ending up with type 2 diabetes. So how can folks turn this disease around? Sounds like lifestyle is going to be the biggest player in this, right? Absolutely, Rob. Um, and you know, if people can look back to episode 10, where we talked about, you know, a meal, meal plan, meal suggestions, that whole episode is about eating a clean diet that keeps 
sugar, caffeine, carbohydrates, the nasty carbohydrates, out of your diet to get your blood sugar stable. So really, it's about not allowing sugar into your diet. Don't eat chocolate. People will tell you chocolate's good for you. It's really not good for you. Stop all forms of caffeine, including decaf coffee. Um, don't eat the really sweet fruits. So, you know, that's dried fruit, um, uh, candied fruit, melons, pineapple, mango, papaya, guava, and bananas. Those are the bad fruits. Uh, stay away from the really starchy vegetables. So, you know, that's potatoes, yams, sweet potatoes, turnips, parsnips, pumpkin, beets, uh, and, and uh, uh, cooked carrots. Not so much raw carrots, and we talked about that, I think, in that episode. Uh, all forms of sugar, so, you know, that's white, brown sugar, agave syrup, malt syrup, rice syrup, uh, uh, molasses, maple syrup, aspartame, uh, Splenda, we've talked about those, A-sulfame K, we, we've talked about the artificial sweeteners, and they're bad news, too, for someone with uh, insulin resistance. So, you know, eating and the grains, unfortunately, that's the difficult thing for most people with insulin resistance. And they need to avoid those grains uh, because grains can basically convert to sugar very quickly. So it's about eating lots of vegetables, the low sugar fruits, nuts and seeds, avocados, good quality proteins, um, eggs, uh, and, you know, just staying with a plan and usually if you can do that within a month, you're going to feel dramatically better. And like I said, just go back to episode 10 and, and listen to what we talked about there. I think there's some, a lot more, um, you know, good examples of, of foods you can eat and suggestions specifically for each meal. Awesome. Well, this has uh, sure been an eye opener. And I'm, you know, you know, if half the people are walking around with this and they don't even know it and and nor are they getting diagnosed. So, um, you know, hopefully if you're listening and you, some of these symptoms, you know, if you've um, identified these symptoms in yourself, uh, if you talk to your doctor or naturopath and uh, request the glucose insulin tolerance test, and, you know, just so that you can see for yourself um, if this is an issue for you or not. Uh, and then, uh, and as Dr. Kevin says, you know, that might be, you know, the writing on the wall that, Hey, now it's time to, to make a change and, and then, um, refer back to, uh, episode number 10 to maybe have a new type of meal plan to, to eliminate these. And some of these like are amazing that they can actually be eliminated. Like diabetes can be eliminated. Infertility, infertility can be eliminated, um, just by diet. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, infertility, you know, obviously there are many different things that cause infertility. Uh, but, you know, I see a lot of people who they've tried everything, you know, and they've been checked out and everything seems to be supposedly functioning well. They just can't figure out why, you know, this isn't working for them. And if somebody specifically has PCOS, you know, PCOS, I mean, you really have to get rid of the PCOS before you're going to gain your fertility back. And like I said, it's, it's really, it's not that big a deal to make these kind of changes and, and, and see your life change right before your eyes. Well, this has been great, and uh, we hope that, uh, that this episode has helped you uh, or helped someone that you know, and, uh, and if it does, please tell someone else. 
We'd love to hear back from you. You can leave a comment below this episode on, on the website. Uh, leave a comment on uh, or review for us on iTunes and, uh, and also share this on social media, whether it's Facebook or Twitter. And uh, check back soon for another episode of Your Best You Today. On behalf of Dr. Kevin Jackson, this is Rob Heppel. This has been another episode of Your Best You Today with Dr. Kevin Jackson and Rob Heppel, where they tackle nutritional topics so that you can become your best you today. To ask a question or leave a comment, visit the website at www.yourbestyoutoday.com. Make sure that you never miss another episode by subscribing to this podcast for free on iTunes. Thank you.